two hunters are reported missing in Bear Mountain National Forest. The Midwest sees the worst drought in 30 years. Civil unrest is imminent. The Northeast power grid has blacked out. Economists fear the worst with falling markets. In other news, the pandemic has gone global. Welcome to episode 23 of Survival Tech. How you doing tonight, Corey? Good, how are you, Matt? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Tonight we're going to be talking about the power outage. That happened in the end of June, and uh, we have a, a special guest with us tonight. So, before we introduce him and we get on with the podcast, because we're gonna we're gonna try and uh, uh, slim this one down a little bit um, and get right to the point, um, so we're not keeping keeping our guest waiting. Um, Corey, why don't you go ahead and, and hit us with the intel report? All right, we're gonna have a quick intel report tonight. Um, there's only two topics we're going to hit on. One is to uh, welcome our new members uh, to the webpage, um, to the community, and uh, I want to thank you for your forum posts already. I, I've seen you guys are already on there and, and posting and keep it up and want to hear your feedback. And uh, those new members are Medic2979 from uh, Kentucky, um, Das Kampfer. From uh, Missouri and Fade to Black from North Carolina. So uh, thank you very much for uh, joining, and we're looking forward to uh, hearing everything you guys got to say and add to the community. And the second topic I want to hit on is uh, our new member contest. Um, that in, that contest will end when we hit 75 members. We currently have 71 members, so we're almost there. We're four away before we're uh, giving away our next. Uh, items and our items that will be given away is a uh, key fob, which was made and donated to us by one of our members, Kai, and an official Survival Tech water bottle from Mayan Print Studios. Yep, it's a uh, it's pretty nice little prize package. Um, uh, I've uh, I've got one of the water bottles. Corey has one of the water bottles. Um, a couple other guys have some of the water bottles already. They're they're uh, pretty tough. Um, you can boil, you know, water with them and everything else. Um, you know, so it's it's a it's a definite you know nice little companion to have with you on the trail. So, um, so without any more, um, let's go ahead and uh, introduce our guest, Corey. And then uh, after, after we talk to our guest for a little bit. Um, uh, I know you've got some some interesting facts about the storm that caused the big power outage, so we'll jump to that and then we'll share our experiences. That sounds pretty good. Sounds good, man. Yep, that sounds great. All right. So, uh, I would like to introduce everybody um, to one of our members. Uh, we placed a a call during the uh, last podcast saying, "Hey, you know, anybody that was affected by these um, these storms uh, the end of June." It causes all the power outage. Um, you know, definitely please uh, email us and, and uh, you know say that you want to be part of this show. Um, we had one member, and as soon as he heard it, 
He uh, emailed us, and uh, so uh, we sent out the codes to him, and he's with us tonight. So I would like to welcome Dave um, from the members area. Um, he's uh, joining us tonight to talk about his experience with the storms. So Dave, how you doing? Doing real good. Good, good evening, deal. guys. Um, is there uh is there any uh background information you'd like to give about yourself, Dave? Oh, well, in my as far as myself is concerned, uh I'm just a simple man. <laughs> I'm pretty much a realist. <laughs> uh I think that's pretty much why I've ended up on the the uh what we would call the uh uh prepper Per se, I like to look at it as survivor rather than prepper. Prepper has a bad connotation just from uh, just from a lot of the old uh, connotations of uh, doomsday. Mm-hmm. We're not particularly looking at doomsday, but we are looking at uh, everyday situations that that can really put a hamper on you. Yeah, and I and think the, the, the power story. outage was a very good example of that. Yes, yes, I I definitely agree. Um, you know, just as, you know, it's pretty much the you know, same with Corey and I. Um, you know, we have a lot more, um, you know, we have a lot more interest with, uh, you know, wilderness, you know, survival and everything else like that, but you got to be prepared for everything. And uh, the storm at the end of June definitely proved that. So, uh, well, cool, Dave. Um, looking forward to this tonight. Corey, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a little bit of the background info on the storm, and then uh, we'll start off with Dave's experiences with the storm. Sounds good. And uh, I want to, you know, thank Dave for your time and uh, calling in and being, you know, able to, to join us tonight. Uh, this show wouldn't be you know, really possible without, you know, you calling in. So I want to thank you for that and just a call out to the rest of our, you know, members when we have these uh, shows, um, don't think that you won't get on. Um, you know, we're more willing to take, you know, uh, many callers, you know, on here. We can handle quite a few. So uh, next time we have one of these, uh, you know, send us an email if you're available for time. Um, if that time doesn't work, send us a time when you are available. Maybe we can, you know, work our schedule around, uh, to get one, you know, throughout the week or, you know, something that, you know, might be able to help everybody get a chance to get on here and be part of the podcast. But with yeah, that said, um, let's get into some uh, brief description of the storm, the storm that hit uh, June 29th. Now, I keep hearing different ways of pronouncing the name of it. Um, I'm probably going to butcher it again tonight. But, uh, Matt, you want to help me with this? Was it Draco? I've 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 heard it as derecho, and so that's that's all I've heard it as. I've so heard I it as derecho. Yeah, I've heard derecho. it as derecho on on the news. I've heard it as you know derecho. I think we had a breakdown of the actual spelling in one of our uh, our cert um, newsletter that we got. Uh, for the month of August, and um, but I didn't pay attention to <laughs> when it shows how to say things. I 
I don't really pay attention because I can say them how I want to. <laughs> and if you, if you understand me. But uh, mm-hmm. with that said, I'm taking uh, this information from uh, Wikipedia. Um, you can just type in uh, Dereco 2012, uh, D-E-R-E-C-H-O um, 2012, and it'll bring up all this information. I'm just going to read down through the brief description and then some of the uh, key points that uh, popped out as, you know, interesting. Um, Between 2012, Mid-Atlantic and Midwest, Draco was one of the most destructive and deadly fast-moving thunderstorm complexes in North America's history. The progressive Draco tracked across a large section of the Midwestern United States and across the central Appalachians into the Mid-Atlantic states on the afternoon and evening of June 29, 2012, and into the early morning of June 30, 2012. It resulted in 22 deaths widespread damage, and millions of power outages across the entire affected region. Now, that lasted 18 hours. It started in Chicago, and it made it all the way to uh, Maryland and Washington, D.C. Um, from 10 a.m. to 4 a.m., this, the storm traveled through. At a track length of 800 miles, and the peak wind gust was 92 miles an hour in Illinois. The largest hail was 2.75 inches, also in Illinois, and there was one reported tornado in Newcomerstown, Ohio. There's 22 fatalities, and the damage is right now uncalculated, still being calculated, but estimated in the hundreds of millions of dollars. And then for the power outages, which was kind of what we're talking about, I mean, that is what we're talking about tonight mainly, is just the power outages that this caused. Over 3.7 million customers lost power. In Ohio, over 1 million customers lost power, covering two-thirds of the state. In West Virginia, 672,000 customers lost power at some point. All, every county except for two lost power sometime in West Virginia during the storm. In Pennsylvania, they seemed like they were the least hit as far as the power outages with only 32,500 people without power. In Virginia, a million customers lost power, which was the largest outage in the state's history not related to a hurricane and the third largest outage including hurricanes, which is pretty severe, with, you know, thinking about it. And then in D.C., the storm was 68,000 customers without power. Maryland, 900,000, and rounding it off, New Jersey with uh, 206,000 customers are during the storm. Wow. There's a lot of people with power, and I haven't been able to find it yet, but apparently there is a map from space of the power outages when this hit. So we're going to try and locate that, and that will be on the uh, show notes. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Those numbers. Um, wow. Now I know it affected our area um, pretty damn hard. Um, so Dave, why don't you go ahead and and start off and uh, tell us about your experience with the storm? Well, I was uh, at work when the storm actually started to hit just about the time that I got off, about 5 o'clock p.m. Uh, I left the office right at 5 o'clock. And 
from where we work. I have to basically go across the highway, turn left to get onto the highway, to go east on Interstate Route 161, uh, to go east to get to where I live at, 310 South. As I was stopping at the left turn lane to get onto Interstate Route 161, just as I stopped, I saw this debris cloud coming at me. I, it was it was like watching something out of the movie Twister. Literally, I was looking in my rearview mirror. I saw all this dust coming. As soon as I stopped to make that left-hand turn, the wind gust started hitting. The radio, I was listening to a, a local uh, talk radio station, news radio station, and they said at that moment we were having gusts at the time at 60 miles an hour. The storm was moving at 60 miles an hour due east. While I was moving due east, as soon as that that blast hit me, I was able to make my left-hand turn. I went down. I got onto 161. And as I was accelerating up to speed, I heard him mention again that the storm was moving at 60 miles an hour. Well, the speed limit is 65. <laughs> well, I'm doing a little bit more than that because when I'm looking in my rearview mirror and I'm seeing Twister and I'm seeing debris and I'm seeing dust clouds coming at me, I'm moving. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing about 70, 70 miles an hour, 70, 75 miles an hour. And at the time that all this was going on, my main route to home was blocked because of a culvert replacement job that was going on, which, of course, was done by my company. <laughs> I knew it was coming, but I didn't. I, I I didn't realize it until the day this thing hit. There's no way I can get home the way I'm supposed to be going. So I took my alternate route. As it turned out, I had to go around three different fallen trees across the road of the route, my, my alternate route home. And it normally takes me 25 minutes to get home from work. That night it took me 45 minutes. And that was just because of downed trees across the main roads that I was going on and the heavy, heavy rain. We had such heavy rain. There were people stopping and pulling over to the side of the road because of how heavy the rain was. They couldn't see where they were going. But by the time I got home, uh, I found out, and I, I kind of expected, our power was out. And uh, so I told the wife, I says, you know, since I've been affiliated with uh, Survival Tech, I've kind of gotten some preparations going. When I first started going into this, my wife was kind of rolled her eyes and, yeah, okay, whatever. And then as I tried to approach her with the reality of the situations that we could possibly be in, 
she just basically told me that, you know, whatever, whatever you do, I'll be ready to deal with it then. I don't want to deal with it now. So I'm basically uh, talking to my wife about, okay, well, when things hit the fan, be ready for what I'm going to tell you you're going to have to do. She doesn't want to deal with it now. She'll deal with it then. Well, we'll just see how well she can deal with it then. But as as the storm went through and I and I came home, we were completely out of power. Uh, as I was on my way home, this is a forethought, afterthought, whatever. She called me while I was on my way home, and she says, "We've got this weather radio." Where is it? I had never told her where it was at in our kits for the simple fact she really didn't want to know anything about it until the time hit. Well, this was a situation that hit and she was really concerned about where that radio was at. So I told her where it was at. She was able to get to it. She was happy with that, comfortable with that. So we hung up and I was went on my way home. By the time I got back to the house, uh, powers had been out for, she said, about a half an hour, which was about right because just as I had turned left onto 161, I saw the street lights go out, the, the signal lights at the intersection. So I kind of figured that anything east of there was going to be pretty well out as well. And as I got home, I found out that to be true. And my wife wasn't really too concerned because she knew I was into preparing for this type of thing. So she says, well, what are we going to do now? So I went and I pulled out all the emergency candles and the hurricane lamps that we had, and I said, this is our light. Pulled out my new little uh, alcohol stoves that I had created. I had a sterno stove also. Set that all up on the stove on top of some foil, and I said, this is how we're going to cook if we have to cook for any amount of time. So things were were not not moving too bad. Uh, she didn't really care for some of the last-minute food items that we had to partake of because of not being able to get to what we were, we needed. Uh, when, the, when the power went out, she had went ahead and moved some of the uh, stuff that we had in our freezers to her sister's house. They, still, they had a generator that was running their, their freezer. So they took that food for us. We didn't have that food to deal with. So I says, well, what I've been working on for my 72-hour kit will get us through this as far as three days for now. And sure enough, that that's what we dealt with. We dealt with what was in the 72-hour kit, and um, it worked out great. Sure, she was kind of perturbed because of the situation, but we made it through it, made it through it, and uh, she was happy that at the end of it all, she was she was happy that I had uh, 
gotten into what I was getting into. Uh, it gives me something to do. It gives me something to think about. And as as far as long as my family is safe, I'm going to keep thinking about the stuff and I'm going to keep preparing for it. Uh, and then not only that day, but what was it? The following Sunday, we had a a backup storm that came through as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was next uh, weekend. Yep, yep. Yeah, it was the the, the very next weekend. And um, as I was on my way home from there, uh, in fact, that was a Wednesday night. Uh, it wasn't on the weekend. It was a Wednesday night oh. because I was on my way to play golf for my company league. And the guys were calling me because I was always, I always leave a little bit earlier from work because I have some errands to run before I can get back to the golf course. And by the time I got to the golf course, the entrance of the golf course was, was completely closed because of a down tree crossed 310 that stopped all traffic and they were backing people up. People that were on the golf course couldn't leave the golf course and nobody could go in. So we were kind of basically hit with a double whammy that week. That's pretty much my experience. We, uh, we learned, my wife and my son learned a lot about, uh, using simple alcohol, burning stoves, sterno stoves, and how to warm your food to do what you need to do to survive. Now, how long And you after it was all uh we were out of power for a, approximately 25 hours. It was just short of 25 hours. So we were we were one of the lucky ones. We didn't have power for or we didn't have we weren't without power for too awful long, not like you guys for a week or so. Yeah, that's uh, that's not too bad. Now, have uh, have you went ahead and made a list of uh, anything else that you might go ahead and uh, add around the house or add to your kits or uh, you know, summer, well, summer's almost over well, and now we need to start thinking about winter. Yeah, I was I was pretty well prepared with uh, as far as lighting was concerned, as far as. Uh, Fuel for uh, for cooking, um, you know, other than because everything I've got in my house is electric except for my furnace. My furnace is the only thing that's gas. But without electric, I don't have a fan. So, so everything that 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 I have basically put together in my kits have to do with alternative fuels other than than electric to heat something. And I've got probably five or six different ways to create heat, flame, uh, different ways to come up with uh, a fuel system that will warm up or cook whatever I need to have. Now, with the weather being, you know, in the mid-90s the entire time when the storm hit before and then afterwards, do uh, you think that you'll be just as prepared if it would happen in the winter time, 
or is there things that this kind of makes you think, well, I was okay, you know, for the uh, summer storm in the 90s, but, you know, I may not be, um, you know, prepared for, you know, a winter storm, or, uh, you know, do you think you're more prepared for, you know, one or the other? Well, as as far as surviving the weather, uh, I live in a mobile home, and uh, the only time I leave this place is if there's a tornado warning. Uh, other than that, I don't actually plan for a bug out. I plan for a bug in, and my home is my domain. It's 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 the place I know. Uh, I have for probably about five years now, have always had uh, insulation up to my windows, whether it be summer or winter. A lot of people put the plastic up to their windows uh, windows in the winter. We keep them up year-round. As far as if I had to do this in the winter, as far as temperature in the home, I don't think I would have to worry too much. there's, I don't think there would really be much of a change except for maybe clothing that I would have to change as far as the way I dealt with this power outage during the summer than I would have to do during the winter, the way I've got my house prepared at the moment. Well, that's good. And the reason I ask is because I think I would be, besides heating my home, which would be the only concern of mine, which I haven't covered, but I think I'm be better prepared in the winter than I would be in the summer months. Um, not so much the heat, but what came along with it, and I'll explain that um, when I go on and explain my personal experience more. Um, but, you know, I, I think that I would be better prepared for a winter storm than I did in the summer. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I was wondering if anybody else had that you know, issue as well, because once I, once it's happening, you know, I kind of re- look back and, you know, look at everything that happened and what I dealt with, I think and I would be better prepared, you know, for a winter storm where it's, you know, cool outside and I can move my food and stuff like that. But I'll explain that when I get to my personal experience in a little more in detail. Well, why don't you go ahead and uh, jump into yours? Um, Sounds good. I, I I do agree with you though. Um, this the storm. It wasn't it wasn't as bad as what it could have been um, for me and my family. Um, but I think if it was a power outage during the winter, um, I agree with you. I think I would have been a lot better prepared for that than what we had to deal with. So yeah. Go ahead and uh, let's find out about you, Corey. What happened on your end of it? Well, I was at work when it hit. Um, I went outside about, I don't know, 10 minutes before 5, and the skies was dark as I've ever seen them during the day. And I knew we were getting a storm, but I wasn't expecting it to be this bad. And I was supposed to be off at 5 o'clock that night. I was covering for another guy, and which I usually get off at 4, so I would have been – you know, either on my way home or home when it hit, 
before, um, <clears throat> but since I was at work, not only did I work till five, I didn't get out at five. I ended up staying ten minutes over to finish a project that we were working on, and of course the power went out. And uh, I work in a distribution center for a major retailer, and when the power went out, you know all of our conveyors stopped. So with only me and my supervisor there in facilities, we're running around starting everything back up, starting up air compressors, and everything went out again. And I did this about three or four times. And we lost one of our grid because we have a, a switch gear, which we can switch back and forth between two different townships um, and their power supplies. Um, so we were on one. We lost that leg. Um, we stayed on that one for a little while until it completely went down. And then we switched over to the other one. We were on it until it completely went down. And then we were running on backup generator. So, I mean, it was, you know, hustle, 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 trying to get everything going. And um, we were having all kinds of problems from, you know, the power outage at work. So I finally got out of there an hour later at 6 o'clock um, when second shift arrived. And, you know, turned everything over to them went on about my way. They are telling me what they were running into on the way in, how there's, you know, debris everywhere, be careful, there's trees falling. And I wasn't really thinking, you know, a whole lot about it. I just figured it was, you know, a nasty, severe storm. And on my way home, I was listening to a talk radio show, and they were, you know, explaining, you know, what was going on in the surrounding area. And on my way home, I seen some trees down and some, you know, limbs down, but, I didn't really see a whole lot of damage. And then I kept driving, and I seen another tree down and another tree down. And then when I got to my home, you know, there the tree across the street was down, a uh, tree about three houses up was down. There was a, um, I don't know where it came from, a carport um, cover from somewhere, aluminum carport, in the middle of the road, and there's no houses around that had a carport, so I'm not sure where that came from. Um, but it was in the middle of the road blocking the road. And, you know, I'm talking to my family, and, you know, my father lives next door, and I'm talking to him, and, and he was outside pretty much the time when it came through because he always wanted to see a tornado, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was explaining what was going on. And, of course, I got home when we had no power either. And, uh, so, it, you know, the sun comes out and the storm goes away. The sun comes out and within, you know, an hour, everyone's outside cleaning, you know, cutting up the trees, getting it all cleaned up. And I figured we're going to be out for a couple hours. Well, I got out at 6, got home, and by 9, 9.30, we decided, all right, well, power ain't going to come back on. We need to cook dinner. And we had steaks sitting out to be cooked. We're going to make some noodley, I don't know, stuff, broccoli stuff with it. So I go outside and go to my fire pit and start a fire and cook some steaks on the grill and got in my, um, my bug out bag that I, you know, took camping and, and took out my, uh, stove, my alcohol stove and boiled up some water and, and cooked the noodles on it. And, you know, we ate just like, you know, any other time. A um, little harder to get everything going, and it took a little longer. It was probably quarter till 10 or so, 9.30, quarter till 10, and mine and my wife's phone both rang at the same time, and we were getting called into Licking County Search. And 
we go in and we, you know, make sure the kids are all fed and we grab our gear and we respond and we get halfway there to our meeting place and we get called off. So we turn around, and we're driving around, and we're looking at all the storm damage, and we realize, you know, this is a you know a major storm. And so we get home, get everyone to go to bed. We sleep downstairs because it's nice and cool. I have a basement in my home, so it's you know nice and fifty, you know fifty five, sixty degrees down there. So um, probably not that cool. It was ninety degrees all all week long. So, but it was a lot cooler than it was upstairs. And get up the next morning and go to open up my refrigerator, and that's when I realized I have my first problem. Um, everything is pretty warm inside my refrigerator, which hasn't been opened all night. And the reason is I find that the bottom seal of my refrigerator is, is you know, not sealing. So all my cool air throughout and within 90 degrees just left in my refrigerator. So I lost everything in my refrigerator, start pulling it out, throwing it away, um, take what's in my freezer and put it in my deep freeze. I have a deep freezer downstairs. It's a chest freezer. Um, it's not a real big one. It's a small one, but I don't have a whole lot in it. I use it mainly for my you know, wild game, um, which I've ate all my wild game this year, so it is pretty empty in there. Um, so I try to you know keep it all in there uh, you know, tightly together as I can. I have some uh corn um in there that we tried or I tried to uh blanch and preserve but I left it on the cob and mine did not turn out right. Um because the night I was doing that we lost power and had to do it off of a generator, um, which didn't quite seal my bags the way I wanted. Um but I use that for my deer now, so I would keep it frozen and then I take it out and put it out for my deer. Um, when I go deer hunting. So I used that, which was still frozen, and I packed it around all my other stuff in my regular freezer to try and keep it, you know, help keep it cold. Um, so that that corn I didn't think was going to do anything ended up helping me out. Um, and then we just, you know, survived for a few days. We, you know, did what we could, ate, you know, here and there. Um, I have stuff packed away, you know, probably five days' worth of not as much as I wanted, and it's definitely not as much as I'm, I'm going to definitely put back more because I found that was one of my weak points. Um, and the stuff I packed, this wasn't maybe a, you know, major disaster. I mean, it was a major disaster, but it, it was more of an inconvenience than it was, uh, you know, a real bad situation. So we didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to, eat like ramen noodles for five days or anything like that. We wanted to still, you know, eat decent meals. Um, So we did what we could, but we also ate our ramen noodles and ate our canned goods. Um, But we had a, found that, you know, we didn't want to start a fire every time we wanted to cook something. So that became an issue, and I didn't have enough fuel for my stove to cook everything on my fuel stove. So that is another one of my preparations I need to add to. Um, we got called back into CERT on Saturday, got there halfway there again, and got called off um, because I was taking care of my home and, and trying to find a generator. We have two generators, um, but that's another thing that I've left slide. I haven't been starting them, um, and gas had set, and it 
rotted out one of the fuel lines. Um, so I'm out there in 90-degree heat in the garage, no electricity, tearing apart these generators, trying to get at least one of them to run. And on top of that, because of the air quality alert, both my kids were on breathing treatments. So I have no way to give them their breathing treatment because we have no power. And I can't get a generator to run, and, you know, nothing's going right. So, you know, we that was on Saturday. Sunday morning was my birthday. And, you know, wake up with no power, um, can't get a generator to work, go back out there first thing, 7 o'clock in the morning, I'm out there working on the generator again so I can at least get it running to, you know, get my kids their breathing treatments and nothing else and try to start cooling down the refrigerator so we can get, you know, hot dogs and, you know, stuff like that. Um, luckily, my dad's refrigerator had a good seal, and he still had some, you know, good meat in there, some hot dogs and things like that uh, that weren't, you know, bad. Didn't get, you know, warm. They're still nice and cool. So I get a call, luckily, from a good friend of mine um, saying, hey, I got a birthday present for you. And he brings me up his 5,000-watt uh, generator and a 220 plug, and we're able to backfeed my house. And, you know, I, that night I have power. I have, you know, my refrigerator's running, my deep freezer's running. I start making ice as soon as I can because everyone is sold out of ice. Everywhere I go to is sold out of ice. So now I have a generator, but I have no fuel. I don't have enough fuel to keep it running. So I go to the gas station, try and get fuel, and I wait in line for 30, 40 minutes to get fuel, and it's back completely out. It was the shortest line I could find. And, of course, people are, are driving up next to you and then cutting you off when, you know, when the car moves in front of you and there's, you know, fights breaking out and cops being called. And this is at two different gas stations I went to, one for gas and I stopped on, you know, another one for ice. And I finally got gas. I fill up my car. I fill up my gas tanks I have and go in and pay, and everyone is in a bad mood, guys. You know, people are cutting other people off in line. There's almost another fight breaking out inside the store over, you know, gas and ice. And it was just, you know, unbelievable. You would think it, it was an actual, you know, doomsday. You, you would think it, you know, the major, you know, economic and you know, social collapse is going on because everyone is just, you know, at each other's throats. And everyone seemed to lose humanity during these times, and uh, talking to yeah, other I people. Yeah, I mean, it, it, ahead, it went to Mad Max. I mean, it, you know, if, you know, a lot of people, you know, joked about it and all, but Corey is telling the truth. Um, I know out by me uh, we're having some major issues with that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it turned – it turned pretty bad quick, and uh, and a lot of uh, it was over fuel and ice. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I made a yeah, comment. most of the uh, fights, most of the fights out towards my way was over ice. Mm-hmm. I had some of the local police that were called in on uh, disturbances that were over ice, mainly. See, I live, 
I live close to a retail center. And uh, Corey called me that Friday night, and uh, he's like, hey, you know, was, you know, did you get the phone call from CERT? And um, I said, no. I said, I haven't heard anything about it. Well, my mobile network was down. My carrier um, was completely shut down, so I wasn't getting anything. And, uh, you know, I didn't have Internet. I didn't have anything at all. So all my phone systems were down. So Corey's like, well, you know, we got called in and everything else. I said, hey, that's fine. Why don't you swing by and pick me up so we're, we're saving, you know, vehicle spots. And uh, I made arrangements with my kids. And um, so, uh, you know, Corey calls me, you know, about halfway, you know, halfway between his house and my house. And he said, hey, we just got called off, you know, I'm turning around, you know, we're going to check out some storm damage and this and the other, and I said, that's fine. And uh, I made a comment about, uh, you know, well, you know, and, and it's probably a good thing that, that we got called off because, uh, you know, I might want to, you know, stay up for a little bit, you know, just to make sure there's no looting. And we kind of laughed a little bit, and, you know, Corey made a comment, and I'm not going to repeat it, but it was uh, it was pretty funny how you know it, it pretty much boiled down to how I'm being a, um, a little bit over dramatic about it. And uh, uh, when everything was all said and done, sure enough, the some retail centers over by us, or over by me, um, one's a sporting goods shop, and they do sell firearms. And they do sell ammo. And they had security personnel through the power outage camped out at the store because they were afraid of looting. So, I mean, it was getting, you know, to that point where all it would have taken was just a couple people uh, with the wrong intent and, you know, some bad ideas that it, it possibly – could have tipped in that way real easy. I'm glad it didn't. But um, yeah, and um, yeah, that, that reminded me um, because you know you said that, and that was only you know five hours into it. No one expected it to last you know a week, thirteen days. You know, to some yeah. people here, and uh, I, I had my iPhone and um, I charged it in my vehicle um, so I could keep in touch with the world and I, my service was still up and available. It was slow, but it was still up and available. Um, but uh, I'm having a personal account on Facebook and listening to, you know, reading some of people's posts about what they're seeing and what they're dealing with, the other out people driving around looking at storm damage. Um, you know, this was just Friday night, the 29th of June, and there was looting um, in areas. Um, my wife's cousin's area um, there was looting, there was police, there was riot gear, um, there was, you know, security at stores. It was, you know, there's, they were saying, you know, what is going on? This is just a power outage. But, I mean, it got bad in some areas. You know, and, and a lot of it was, you know, the Mad Max scenario. Now, I don't want to speak for, for Sean, but I do want to share his experience. Um Many of you know, you know we've had Ohio Beagler, um, 
his real name was Sean, on the show a couple times. Um, and uh, he had an experience that he was telling me about, um, you know, once once we, you know, caught up. And uh, um, I, wish, I wish he could have been on the show tonight because, cause, you know, just hearing him explain it is, you know, it's gold. Um, well, hearing him explain this about anything, it's gold. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Good point. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, he was talking about how he had went to a local Meyer uh, to get gas, and uh, God bless Meyer because they have a big ass generator, uh, one that's you know on a uh, on a uh, semi truck trailer. I mean, this this son of a bitch is big. And they were able to keep all their meat stocked and everything else, you know, throughout the whole thing. Um, they never went down to, like, a half-power grid system or anything like that. They ran full power the whole time. Now, um, with that being said, you know, that was nice because that was, that was a large chain store um, around us to where we could get, you know, meat that, was fresh and and everything else like that, but um, they also had their gas pumps going. And at one time, you know, we only had maybe two or three gas stations um, between two cities um, uh, where I live. You know, it's it's a medium sized town slash city. They call it a city, but it's it's pretty much just an oversized town. Um, but right next door, we have a a city of uh, probably a good 75,000, 85,000 people. And we had three gas stations for probably close to 97, 100,000 people around this area. Um, and that's just, you know, within the limits and then not including, you know, outside the limits and all the other small towns, you know, kind of peppered around us. Um, so with that being said, um, John goes, you know, to this mire, and there's this, there's this ass of a guy that's uh, filling up fuel cells, and uh, you know he's probably got you know a thousand gallons worth of fuel that he's filling up, and uh, no one's stopping him and everything else. He sat there and he, he filled him up for like a little over an hour, and uh, you know I mean it's just you know. Something like that. I mean, you get people that are, you know, hoarders, and uh, you know, it's, I don't know. It was it was quite the experience. You know, Sean said, you know, people were getting you know pretty perturbed about the whole deal, and it's like, God, could you imagine? You know, what what would you do? You know, if you're you know right behind this guy, and you got a family, and you see a single guy, you know, just filling up, you know, fuel cell after fuel cell after fuel cell. And uh yeah. yeah, he just doesn't even care. I mean, you know, that I mean that's you know, that's somebody that you know is probably, you know, looking for an ass whooping. Yeah, that's not right. And that's only two or three days after the event. Yeah, that I I mean someone that does that obviously has no you know, respect for Anybody else. I mean, I understand, yeah, if they can pay for it, okay, but there's situations where you're just going above and beyond and you're abusing, you know, your ability. Just because you're able to and you can doesn't mean you should. 
Right. And see, that's the thing. Because for yeah, people like, like me, I have you know, I had two kids that needed breathing treatments, and I had no way to administer them. You know, right. what am I supposed to do? I'm I'm stuck. <laughs> Here's the thing, you know. Yeah, man. You know what? If you've got the cash to pay for 100 gallons of fuel, go ahead and take the 100 gallons of fuel. Then leave. If you need more, come back. You know. Right. Because I'll sit there I mean, and pump a thousand gallons. Right. I mean, yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah, we. Yeah, a little bit with my experience, we had. Um, we. We had it kind of in between Dave's experience and Corey's experience. Um, it was rough, but Corey had his power out longer than me. Um, I ran, my power was out for four days, um, so it wasn't as bad as Corey. You were, what, teetering on five, five and a half? Uh, five, you yeah. came. Yeah, because you I came, came on, on uh, Fourth of July. Um, Tuesday night, third of July. Okay. We so got power right Tuesday before morning. Our, we got power right before we got. We had our Fourth uh, of July party. Or, yeah, it was on the third of July. Yeah. Yep, that's right. We got it right, right before our party because everyone was still asking, "Are you still having a party?" It's like, "Well, party's still on. Power, no power. Right. <laughs> We're gonna have a party." Yeah, Party. we uh, we got it. We got ours back on Tuesday morning, right around ten o'clock. So, you know that that wasn't too bad. But but with my you know experience, you know I work the same place Dave does. So um, as Dave is driving home, I'm looking out the window, and I'm watching all these trees blow down and crack and smash, and it's like, ooh, this is neat. So I stayed, uh, got a hold of my wife, and uh, and made sure her and the kids, you know, were okay. Um, uh, They know exactly where all the, I guess, you know, survival kits, you know, my four-year-old, everything's, you know, survival with him. So, you know, all of her survival kits and all of her tools and everything, they know exactly where they're at, so she, you know, had them ready and prepared and and uh, you know, all the all the kids were, were doing good. Um by the time I came home, um, I didn't have too bad of a drive home. You know, rain had let up, winds had let up. It's like, okay, no problem. Well, I live pretty close to um the uh Newark Earthworks. Um, which is it's a it's a big um park that's ran by the uh um Ohio's Ohio Historical Society. Um, it's got a lot of uh, Native American history. It's a really neat place, um, and you know, just tons of trees everywhere. And uh, as I'm driving home, and you know, I'm looking out the windows, I'm coming up to the mounds. Um, it looked like Paul Bunyan on a uh, on a cocaine rampage had ran through and just about leveled. Probably a good 35, 45% of the trees that were in the mounds. I mean, it was, it was heartbreaking seeing it. Um, driving by it, was, it today, it's still devastating. Mm-hmm. It's not completely cleaned up yet. Yeah, and they've been working on it pretty hard. And it's, you know, now it looks even worse because all the 
the leaves are brown and curled and everything else. And, man, it just it looks like a wasteland. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, these big-ass trees are just, you know, down. and So I finally get home, and you're not supposed to do this. I don't suggest you do this. But we did it anyway. And I said, all right, kids, let's get in the car and let's go check out storm damage. <laughs> and uh, so we piled up family, um, had some cash with us um, in our in our, uh, in our you know survival kits. You know, we got some cash. Um, so I got the cash out and said, all right, let's go see if anybody is open just in case, you know, one – one part of the town was still open. We grabbed something to eat real quick, and uh, and then make a plan for you know what was to be uh, for the rest of the weekend. And um, so we ran around. Of course, nobody nobody was open. Um, so we came back here, and uh, we started you know eating you know the cold cuts and stuff like that. Made some sandwiches and all, and um, um, you've got a whole Corey and everything, you know, got ready for cert and everything, and uh, um, so that Saturday, woke up and, uh, you know, had steak and eggs for breakfast, that was a plus, I had to eat the steak, Uh, my brother-in-law never lost power, Um, he lives uh, about 30 miles away from us, and uh, so we went ahead and we packed up the kids and the rest of our meat and everything. And um, we went ahead and shipped them uh, down with him and because uh, he was coming up bringing supplies to his mom. And uh, so he swung by and picked up our kids and away they went. So they got to enjoy air conditioning, and uh, we stayed around here. Um, so that next Sunday, we go down to pick up the kids and um, – uh, as soon as we get down there, we, you know, we start seeing another storm starting to come, and it was a storm that mainly hit southern Ohio. Um, it come blowing through. Um, uh, my wife, Megan, uh, she got pretty nervous because, you know, just as Dave was explaining, uh, we had the, you know, big wind gusts and debris, you know, hitting hitting our vehicles were, you know, driving driving through the town there, trying to get back to his house. And uh, as soon as we pull into his house, boom, power goes out in his house. And it's like, all right, buddy, you know, I, I don't know what exactly he did with the food, but I said, look, all of our food that we have that we had brought down here, um, you know, either you eat it or give it away to your neighbors. You know, you guys have a barbecue, whatever. Tell them, you know, it's on us. And, uh, you know, eat hearty and healthy because, you know, I'll, there's no way in hell I'm going to, you know, want that, want that meat back. So, um, so we, you know, brought the kids back and everything and, and, uh, uh, we were, we we're pretty good. Um, uh, one thing that, that we did do is, um, uh, Ohio Beagler, who Dave and I work with, Sean, um, uh, and Dave, you know, I finally got my my uh, mobile network going for my cell phone. So I started calling, you know, the guys that I knew, and uh, we set up a kind of a uh, kind of a uh, contact web 
um, you know, whoever finds out, you know, what's going on with work the next day, because they were telling us that we weren't going to get restored until at least July 8th. I mean, it, it was that bad. And, um, you know, so we set up contacts and, you know, whoever hears first, you know, call the other two and, and, uh, you know, because it, it was getting to the point where if we didn't have to, if we didn't have to use the gas to go into work, it was best not to do that um, because gas was getting scarce. Um, you know, we had to drive, you know, at least a good, you know, 35, 45 miles before we could find a place that was, you know, actually equipped um, to run debit cards, credit cards, stuff like that, um, had enough gas um, for the people. And, uh, you know, it was, it was funny because, no, it wasn't funny, but it was it was just kind of overwhelming and funny in a in a sense that kind of made you uncomfortable. That you know here we are, you know, thirty miles farther south than than where we live. They had been up and running fine, and then a smaller storm comes through and knocks them out. And it's like okay, you know, now we're just thinking, well, what kind of damage is waiting us back up north? So, um, you know, that, that was pretty much it. You know, the re- most of it, you know, my, as far as my preps, um, I lucked out, uh, most of my large appliances, um, you know, besides, you know, washer, dryer, and fridge, but, you know, everything else, you know, the water heater, furnace, stove, it's all gas. Um, so I, you know, I had, you know, constant flame whenever I needed it. Uh, I had hot showers, you know, so that was a plus. Um, but just looking back on it, it was, you know, beating the heat. And, uh, you know, with little ones, you know, that, you know, Corey and I, we grew up without air conditioning. So it really wasn't that bad for me. But, you know, you just look at everybody else and you start thinking about the elderly and, and the real young and those with breathing issues. And it's like, wow, this is not a good situation. Yeah, that was that was a uh that was a pretty scary part of it, uh the whole situation that we went through. Uh I I live around uh, a lot of elderly folks. In fact one of my my best neighbors that I've got is right straight across the street from me, but uh he's probably about I'm I'm 54 years old. He's probably about 20 years older than I am, and uh, I was always going over there and checking, making sure that uh, Bill was okay. Yeah, and that's that's yeah. the best thing you can do because we've got we've got some neighbors across the street. Um, you know, I'm I'm 31. Um, you know, so I'm still fairly young, and uh, he's got to be in his mid to late 80s. And, uh, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, every week he's out there mowing his yard and, you know, everything else, you know, he's, he's, you know, still gets along and all, <clears throat> but we had, you know, we kept checking on them because when we got our power restored across the street, they still didn't have power and they didn't get their power back until, uh, um, until Friday, July 6th. So... Um, so they were out even longer than us, and we kept saying, look, come over. You know, the house is open. You know, it's, it's you know, it's yours. You know, go ahead and, 
you know, come over and cool down. And uh, and they never took us up on the offer. I think a lot of it's pride, um, you know, especially with that generation. But, you know, definitely, you know, in, in crisis situations, take care of yourself, take care of your family, take care of your neighbors. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a, that's a big plus, and that's what, that's what this community is about. You know, hopefully, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad it didn't affect us as much as what it did do. Um, you know, probably about the worst thing about it is I lost about $300 worth of, worth of meat, and we didn't get a podcast up for a couple of weeks. Cause we're dealing with <laughs> oh, you know, everything else. So, you know, that's about the worst of the situation uh, for us. But uh, but throughout the whole thing, you know, everybody that's around me, you know, they were taken care of. They were checked on. Um, you know, everybody made it through safely. You know, there was no injuries. And, uh, you know, that's that's a blessing in itself. Yeah, I learned a lot. Um I learned that, you know, I need to keep an eye on my appliances. I had to start my generators monthly. Um, I do have one back up and running now, um, so I at least have some power um, if it would happen again. As far as, you know, my refrigerator, I have not yet replaced because, well, that's a hefty bill I was not expecting. Um, but I have done some research and... Uh, try to figure out ways to, you know, maximize the efficiency of it the way it is. And uh, if it would happen now, I would get go get a couple ratchet straps and ratchet strap the bottom of my, you know, refrigerator door closed um, to create a tight seal. Um, might even wrap a couple blankets around it and then put the ratchet, ratchet strap on, kind of pull in some of the, the cool. Um, my downstairs, um, I filled up some... Um, gallon water jugs and put them in my uh, chest freezer. Um, I also filled up uh, three gallon size freezer bags full of water, put them in my chest freezer. They're all frozen now, so I have about um, seven gallons of frozen water inside my chest freezer. Not only do I have ice, but I also have water when it melts. Um, so I'm covering two stones there, keeping neat, cool, and having drinking water, if need be. Um, as far as power, if uh, you know something happened to my generator, I now have a 300-watt power inverter for my vehicle that can run my kid's um, breathing machine. Um, if need be, during another you know uh, weather you know quality alert, air quality alert that they would you know, need to do their breathing treatments. Um, so I, I am, you know, slowly gathering. As far as lighting, I had plenty of flashlights and batteries that I was, you know, fine on. Um, I do need to think about different foods, um, adding, restocking my food that I used. Um, and then, uh, you know, finding stuff that's, you know, more kid-friendly. I know we talked about it in the past, but, it, you know, it's hard to do. And you look at what you have, and you're like, yeah, you know. You know, they like everything in here, but they don't like it for five days in a row. Um, <laughs> that's, the, exactly. that's the problem. So I need, you know, more variety. You know, ramen noodles every day, you know, for lunch and dinner doesn't doesn't quite cut it. And neither does hot dogs. Um, 
so, you know, that I need to, you know, improve on. Um, that's why I think the winter I would be better prepared because, you know, I, at least I would still have my food. I could move it outside if it's, you know, freezing and just put it inside of a cooler. Um, as far as heating, though, um, I do have a kerosene heater and five gallons of kerosene um, at all times. So, you know, that will get me through um, for a little while. Um, that is, you know, another fuel cost. When I was running that generator, it was costing $40 a day to keep that generator running, um, which got expensive quick. Um, you know, you add that over a week, they're expecting us to be out June 8th. It was going to be almost $400, you know, in fuel costs uh, just to keep that in one week, just to keep that thing running. Um, now, you don't need to run it all day long. You can, you know, run it for a few hours, start off, run it for a few hours. And that's what we were doing to try and, you know, conserve the fuel that we did have. Um, the day we got our power back, the guy that loaned me the generator showed up with uh, 10 gallons of gas for me, too. So I can't thank him enough for everything he did um, for me. But the only stipulation was if they lost power, they had to come get it back because they had two chest freezers full of food, and they didn't want to lose it, which I was fine with. But they also said, you know, bring the kids out and do the breathing treatment. So, um, and he only lives about 10 minutes away, so it wouldn't have been that bad of a, a drive. But I just got to say, you know, during times like these, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your family, but, you know, also think of your neighbors and and don't be one of those, you know, guys at the – and I got to say guys because all I saw were guys that were causing the issues at the gas stations and in the stores. Um one of the guys I know was talking, and two guys were fighting over the last bag of ice, and they're yelling and screaming and explaining their situation. Um, you know, one had an elderly parent, and the other one had a newborn. They're both yelling and screaming, and as they were doing that, a third guy walks up, takes a bag of ice, pays for it, and leaves. And then they realize, they turn around and realize that <laughs> someone else already grabbed that last bag of ice, and all that yelling and screaming didn't <laughs> Um, but there is one story I would like to share, um, and then I think I can wrap up my of it. Um, I was driving home one night. I can't remember where we went. Um, oh, it was my birthday. That night, my in-laws took us out to dinner, and uh, we had to, you know, drive way into town to, you know, get dinner um, about 30 miles away to find a place I had power. But uh, we had dinner, and we're driving home, and we're listening to talk radio because that's the most informative, you know, news channel out there, I think, during times like this. You actually get real information from real people, um, especially when call it, people are calling in. And this elderly lady calls in. And at first, you know, I didn't know, you know, she was having a hard time talking. She was stumbling over her words. And... uh you know, you could tell that, you know, she was, you know, a lot older. And um, she starts explaining her situation. They've been without power, you know, since the storm hit. Um, it's just her and her husband. they got no family around. She's on oxygen. She hasn't had her oxygen for two days. She's on an oxygen machine. She doesn't have any backup bottles. So she needs her oxygen, you know, to live, and she hasn't had her oxygen in two days. Um, they have a generator. But it will only run their fans. It's not big enough to run 
her oxygen machine. And, you know, she's called around to different people, different shelters, um, called AEP. No one's given her any help. No one's given her any answers. Um, no one's telling her where to go, um, you know, for these shelters, and she has no way to get there. Um, no one will come out and get her and take her to them because, you know, they don't have anyone around. Um, I don't know how they live, you know, day to day, but, you know, a time like this, apparently those that, you know, help, her, help them out, you know, forgot about them, I guess. Um, taking care of themselves. But, you know, she's explaining this, and, you know, the guy, the host was like, you know, his heart is going out, and he's like, you know, you got to get your oxygen, you know, you got to find someone. And um, she's like, well, I got to go. And she just gets off the phone abruptly. And uh, a couple callers later, a guy calls in. And, you know, tells his story. He's been cleaning up. He's been cleaning up for, he's made 13 trips with his truck, cleaning up debris um, for no charge, just for his, you know, friends and family. And um, he said that he heard that caller, that lady that didn't have a generator, and he lived like three hours away from where she was because she said where she lived. And he lived three hours away uh, up in northern Ohio and wanted to know if they had her information, where she lived, or if they could get back in contact with her, call her back, um, because he was going to drive that night and bring her a generator big enough to power her whole house. So, I mean, that just shows, you know, human compassion. And when I heard that, because me and my wife hearing this, we're like, well, you know, should we call in and try and do something? I don't know what we can do, but we could drive her to a, you know, shelter. But it was breaking my heart listening to it. Because, you know, she, she's having a hard time breathing and she's, you know, taking real deep breaths and trying to talk. And But to hear someone that would drive three hours just to deliver a, a generator to her, you know, that really touched us. Corey, I, I can't think of a, a better way to end the show than, than that story right there. Um you know, like like we said before, you know, it's this is a community, and uh, you know, let's let's look at our own communities too. Um, you know, that's why you know Corey and I joined CERT. Um, you know, situations you know like this, and and uh, you know sometimes you know on large scale disasters, you know sometimes you know even even the volunteers you know can't make it uh, to help out you know with the big things, but that's because they're so busy taking care of the smaller scale around their own area. So, and that a lot of that goes unnoticed. So, um, well, Dave, do you have anything to add before we close out the show? No, pretty well done. All right. Well, very good. Well, Corey, uh, go ahead and uh, and take us out, and and uh, we'll definitely be talking to you guys uh, next week. Well, I just want to thank Dave again for uh, calling in and being part of tonight's show. Um, it's nice to hear someone else's stories and how someone else's uh, preparations and, uh, you know, help them get through this. And it just goes to show me that, you know, um, I, I, I talk it and I have it, but I definitely need to take a closer look at what I have and uh, improve on it. Um, it was a learning experience for me, and I think uh, – it will uh, definitely pay off, you know, in the future. Um, I won't let this happen again. 
So uh, until next time, check out our website at www.survivaltech.webs.com. Become a member. We're trying to hit 75. Need four more to give away the next contest. Um, send us an email at survival.tech at yahoo.com. Um, give us a call. Our number is on the web page. I don't have right up in front of me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just be part of the community and post to our forums. We have some really good forums on there. Um, I'm about to add another one as soon as I get off here. Um, which is going to be uh, my bug out vehicle pictures and uh, the restoration project that I'll be going through with it. And until next time, stay alive, America.